0: I think we've decanted
1: for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel.
0: Yes, it certainly is. It's my favourite time of the week, of course. Here are the Two Sharp Reds with myself, Ollie Geel, and of course Australia's third favourite, Silver Fox. I haven't produced that line in a while, but of course, Mark Schwarzer, we like to sit down every week with a bottle of Burgundy Grape. We love our red wine and we like to compare it to a player past and present, while we talk about all the comings and goings, the big moments, the not-so-big moments in the Premier League. And, Mark, we are now into week two of the Premier League, and it just feels right. It feels right in the world, doesn't it? Everything just feels slightly back to normal, just ever so slightly.
1: Yeah, you're right. I think in terms of saying ever so slightly, you're right. Um, It won't be truly back to normal until people are back in the stands. Fans are back at games and then we have a true atmosphere of what, what it's like to be in a football, football ground. Um, but, yeah, listen, it's fantastic that football's back. And what a weekend of games that we've had in terms of goals. Insane. And I think we're five goals short of a record uh, round of, of Premier League games in terms of number of goals scored. And there's two, two games we've played uh, this, this, this round. So let's hope for goals, goals, goals tonight. And uh, if that's the case, then all of a sudden we will have a new record of the amount of goals scored in a, in, a, in a single round.
0: Now, you're a goalkeeper, obviously. Obviously, Did you know that, that you played goalkeeper? wasn't. It- well, well,
1: I was. I don't know if you don't realise. I used to play in goals. I'm not sure yeah, you if that say somehow eluded alluded you somewhere along the line. Maybe you've forgotten. I don't know.
0: But you like to tell me enough. And I see your Instagram photos and videos. You like to train your son out in the backyard. You've still got it. You know what's going on. Yeah. yeah, don't yeah.
1: If, you, if you really look at my Instagram or Twitter, you'll realise that I never actually post any of that stuff. Yeah. And you just made it up in your head. Oh really? It was a dream. It, it must have good. been.
0: It says a lot about me, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> well, uh, let's not let's not even go there because that's that's another episode altogether.
0: Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Hey, look, I totally agree with you about the fans in the stands. I've got a story that I cannot wait to tell you. I'm going to save it for a little bit later on. Uh, uh, but uh, I was at the game on the weekend and I sat next to a very special person. So I'm just going to hook that because if that doesn't hook people in, Mark, I don't know what will. Well, I mean, I suppose maybe you've got to do
1: that a regular, as a regular thing each yeah. week. So now you've, you've put it out there yeah. and now it's up to you to produce the goods because, you, you know, you build it up like this and the yeah. person that you actually mention doesn't, doesn't fulfill that, that, that excitement, you know, that's that, that, uh, the will of the people. Then I think that segment's dead and gone before you right. even started.
0: Okay, then, so just before I, you know, really decide if I'm going to say it, tell me an example of who would be a bit of a fizzer. Like, what's... if I, said, well, oh, if, I mean, listen, you know, for, for most of our listeners are based in Australia. So, if you were to say I was sitting
1: next to Tim Cahill... Yeah. I, I mean, I think people would be pretty excited about that, you know? Yeah. Um, if you're going to tell me the same story that I already know, that you're sat next to Slavon Village, I'd be just
0: like, well, okay, you know, that's, that's uh, all, oh, well, all well and done. There's the hooking segment gone, right, <laughs> <laughs> right? We'll get to that shortly. Let's take the wine boxes off. Uh, Mark, I've gone a little bit rogue today. I'm having a wine uh, from a region that I didn't even know created red wines. And I had it because I saw it and I thought, right, I'm having this. But mainly so you can tell me maybe a little bit about it, hopefully. I'm having the Blutengarten German Pinot Noir from, I want to say, it's pronounced the Ploffs, PF. A-L-Z, Plovs, the Plovs, how would you even say Plovs, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Plovs yeah. region. Now, have you ever had a red wine from Germany?
1: I, no, I haven't actually had a red wine from Germany. I've had a, a really nice Pinot Noir from Austria, but okay. not from Germany. Normally, I mean, it would, Germany, what's most uh, associated are their Rieslings. Right. So they're, they're white, they're white uh, sparkling wines. Um, that's been traditionally associated with, the, with Germany. But there's no doubt in my mind that, yeah, they'll be producing red wine as well.
0: There you go. So I'm thoroughly looking forward to getting stuck into that one. What one have you gone for?
1: Um, yeah, standard. I'm going for a Spanish wine, of course. Yeah, sure. um, wait and it's, wait it's a, a
0: branch out.
1: <laughs> exactly. But, it's, you know, it's, it's one that I've, I've had in the, uh, a number of times uh, over the years. And, and, again, it's another wine that never disappoints. It's a Campo Viejo Reserva 2015.
0: Mm, okay. And any hints, tips, tricks of the trade to do with the wine? Um, well, you know, again,
1: it's, it's like most Riojas, uh, you know, it's, it's that, that full bodied, uh, very, very kind of uh, meaty, tasty wine, you know, that, that's again, right up your, your, uh, your street again.
0: Right in my host house. Yeah, it is a second, second episode in a row. I've got to say that, you know, things are going <laughs> well when I get to deploy that. Hey, Mark, we'll get to the wine very shortly when we have our halftime drinks. There's a very special, another hook. This is a real theme of ours. There's actually something I want to bring up to do with Mikel Arteta uh, and red wine. So I'll get to that uh, at our halftime drinks. But let's start with the early kickoff on Saturday's game. It was between Everton and West Bromwich Albion. Uh, Mark, I'm going to start with a big call and you can say yes, no, maybe, and discuss. Hamas Rodriguez will be PFA Player of the Year. Discuss. Uh,
1: listen, if he stays fit, uh, there's, a, there's a chance. I, I think the thing that worries me about Everton, I think they're two injuries away from dropping back into mediocrity again. So if James Rodriguez and, say, Alan get injured, they're, they're in for a very long season again. Um, and, and I think they're, they're, that's why they're, they're still a little bit short in that regard. But if those guys can stay fit then I think they're on the verge of of, of something, something potentially special, you know, maybe winning, winning some silverware, maybe knocking on the on the door of European places. And I think uh, the way they've started has been very, very exciting. If you're, an, if you're an Everton fan, you must be absolutely buzzing at this moment in time.
0: Absolutely. You know, Hamers in particular, though, his link-up play uh, with Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin, you just start to you look back and you go, oh, geez, something's... Uh, something seriously brewing here, which was really exciting. And he was also really stood up to the physicality of the Premier League because, of course, there was a bit of an odd moment, though, where he was punched. Yeah, um, he has. And I think that, I mean, listen,
1: I think, I'm thinking, you know, he's used to a bit of argy-bargy, you know, growing up in Colombia, playing through the league there, coming over to Europe. Um, he's a playmaker. You know, those guys are always targeted, whether he's playing in Spain or whether he's in, whether he's in France. Uh, the key, I think, for, for James Rodriguez is that he's playing with, you know, Angelotti Carlo, and Angelotti again for the third time. And, and obviously, Colo Angelotti is a massive fan of his. He's given him freedom. Um, and I think the, what, what James Rodriguez is doing is repaying that faith in him, that, uh, that trust that he's, that he's his man, his main man. And uh, it's great to see. It's great to see a player that, you know, produced so much at the World Cup, uh, on the world stage. And then kind of fizzled out, and never really lived up to the expectation for one reason or another at Real Madrid. And even after that, going to Bayern Munich, um, Monaco, never really hit those heights. Now it seems like, and okay, it's only two games in. But listen, he's going to play at Everton every week, isn't he? Unless it's a disaster, he's going to play every week. And that's what he needs. He needs to get back to playing every week, manager who believes in him, which he clearly has, and hopefully he can stay fit.
0: So, there are plenty of goals to talk about. And I think West Bromwich Avenue should short, certainly leave Goodison Park with their heads held high. But there was a moment that we do need to discuss, which was that Kieran Gibbs and Hammes came together ever so slightly. It was a real, like, how many times do you reckon that happens in, in a 90-minute game? And Kieran Gibbs just randomly, it wasn't a punch maybe, but it was, was it? I suppose it was. No, it was a shove. It was a shove in the
1: face. What, with yeah, a, was- a fist? No, nah, it was more of a shove. It wasn't really a punch. The, 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 the silly thing about it is, by all accounts, Kieran Gibbs is not that type of person. You know, mm. he's not an aggressive person. He's, a, he's, a, he's a, quiet, a pretty quiet guy, a respectful guy. So that was completely out of character. So something else must have happened. Mm. So whether it was a kick or whether it was something else in background, you know, it's in back play, something's happened, I think. Um, or maybe it was just Kieran Gibbs' just total frustration. You know, they're starting the game so well and then, then conceding the way that they conceded. Um, West Brom, at, yeah, listen, there's, there's a lot to take out of West Brom in terms of there are things they can build on. The first 60 minutes against Leicester at home, they were good. You know, they, they played well. Leicester were there for the taking. Um, the frustrating thing and the concerning thing is they just leaked goals and they leak them too easily. Okay, you know, uh, Gibbs got sent off and it opened up the floodgates. Um, even though that, I mean, they still managed to get back into the game, they still found themselves 2 2, but they still ran out of legs in the end. You're playing against a team like Everton with a calibre of uh, James Rodriguez in their side, you know, one, one man down, you, you're going to struggle. And then in the end, that's what happened to, to, to West Brom. Um, but, you know, there's a, there's a lot,
0: there are elements to be taken out of it, but there's also a lot to be concerned about if you're a West Brom fan. And then, of course, didn't help that their manager, Slavin Bilic, was sent to the stands at half-time. And he got the best seat in the house next to the OG. Oh, did he really? I didn't realise. Sorry. I didn't, didn't realise. Yeah. Oh, was
1: that? See, I just thought, as an example, because you're at the game, I didn't realise that that was going to be your, uh, your big bombshell. Oh, yeah, bombshell. The blonde
0: bombshell over here. It was, uh, it was and, interesting. And did you, did you ever chat with him? I said to I did. Because he came in half-time. Uh, well, not chat. But he sat down. And I said, oh, geez, I've got to be careful what I say now. And he laughed and he was fine. He kept getting in trouble for not wearing his mask. And he okay. was really cracked it at one point. He said, why don't you tell him, him, him and him, you're picking on me. He was really, and then he kept smacking the table in front of us and everyone had jolted him. Because obviously, you wouldn't be able to pick up on it normally if there was a, you know, if everyone was in the stadium. But there was maybe 20 people, that's it. And maybe one commentator twenty meters away and then all of a sudden you've just got this big Croatian just smacking the desk and yelling and oh it was it was brilliant. It was fascinating.
1: Were you were you a little bit worried? Did you uh, feel like mo- moving away a little
0: bit Well, you should have seen it. I mean, of you you the photo took took of him and I say that in very loose terms because it was very much a camera. Let's <laughs> yeah. a quick oh, and a you know, don't touch bit of because you know he's looking. But it was, uh, yeah, it was an interesting experience. His communication down... Uh, to the technical area was non existent, which I found quite interesting. So, whatever he said at half time, he probably, I suppose, in that scenario, do you assume, Mark, that they give the, the assistant manager four or five different scenarios? And you go, look, you do this. Must in- are, are you sure he had no communication? 100%. At all? Are you sure he didn't have his
1: phone on and he was, he was talking to him through, an ear, through his earpiece or something like that? Are you no. sure? Yeah, I'm pretty I, sure. I, I, find, I find that hard to believe that there's no communication between the manager. And his, and his staff on the bench.
0: No, I don't reckon he did. Didn't even celebrate when the free kick went in. Just was So, just... Are
1: you, so are you saying that you at the whole you you watched him the whole time? Well, so you didn't watch the game at all, really. You watched him to see whether he was communicating with the bench. Yeah, a little bit.
0: I was on village watch. <laughs> okay, so
1: I, 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 I sorry, I'm going to have to question that Really? I, I doubt very? Much. Yeah, I'm questioning your your uh, your information because I I I, I find that really difficult to believe that he hasn't communicated with his bench. Particularly when you're in, the, you're in the game still. So you're 2-1 down at time. Immediately the restart, they go 2-2. Go two, two. Yep. There's got to be communication. I can't imagine him not communicating with his bench. Sorry.
0: Well, but sometimes you just need to trust me, Mark. I trust you. If he said that to me, I'd go, yeah, we'll learn. It just doesn't make sense. I know. That's what I'm saying. This is what I'm bringing up on this here very podcast. Hey, Mark, you talked earlier about how many goals have gone in. And if there's one team over the first two match days that know all about that, that's, of course, Leeds United. They've now been involved with two, four, three games, of course, been on the other end of things. They lost 4-3 to Liverpool. Now they've won 4-3 against Fulham. Do you get the feeling that defending the forgotten art in this season? Uh, a little bit. But I, again,
1: one of, one of the things that worried me in the first game was their inability to defend. So, yes, defending is primarily set up as a team. You need a team to defend. So, Leeds have very little interest in defending as a team. So, therefore, then you've got to have five, six players who are designated to really making sure they're on song. Um, They haven't got that. They're all over the place. They're getting pulled from pillar to post. The goalkeeper doesn't look good enough for me. He looks... Very, very average. He considered a couple of goals in the weekend against Fulham, which, you know, the, there was uh, one where he got lobbed over. He came out from the cross. He chased it, missed it massively. Um, I don't, I mean, he's an under 21 French international. He played the back end of last season. They made his move permanent. I think that's where they're going to potentially come unstuck. I think Leeds United have missed a trick in not being able to sign uh, your 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 favourite type player of all time, Martinez. And uh, I think they missed a massive trick there.
0: Do you reckon? Do we know if they uh, approached? Because you would have thought, you know, Argentinian. How good's this? You know, I don't. I, I I don't know. There was. I didn't
1: see anything in the press uh, in terms of more seriousness about. it. I think it was. There was maybe mentioned, um, but I think they made the decision relatively
0: early that they were going to go with uh, their their current proper keepers. What about from a Fulham perspective? You know, they've had two very different games now. The, I suppose the real positive thing out of this game is that they scored some goals, which they weren't able to do against Arsenal.
1: Yeah, but... Yeah, I know you're saying, but, but Leeds, did, Leeds didn't make it easy for them. Like I said,
0: yeah.
1: they keep made it easy for them as well. Um, almost gifted them goals. Um, Leeds are going to give every team an opportunity to score against them because they're just so open. And for uh, so Fulham... I said it I said it before game day one they're not good enough and and, and Scott Parker actually came out midweek uh, after the cup game against I think it was Ipswich they played he said as well that they're a bit short they know they're a bit short they know they need to improve so um, unless unless the the Fulham owners decide that you know what we need to go out a little bit on a limb not as extreme as they did the previous time but they've got to go out and spend another probably 30 or 40 million on three or four players. And I think if they do it right, then they, they give themselves a chance. But that, that's the thing. That, that's the gamble, isn't it? If they go and spend an additional 30, 40, 50 million pounds, it only gives them a better chance. It doesn't give them any guarantees whatsoever. See, I, I, think, I think Fulham are probably at
0: least six or seven players short. Right, because I was going to ask you if you, could, if you had the, the choice to, for Fulham to sign one person, who would you choose? No, it's not enough. It's really? not enough. Yeah, Fulham, Fulham need, for me, in my opinion,
1: Fulham need another five or six players, like top quality players. I, I, don't, see, I don't see anyone in midfield who's, who's up to the level necessarily, or not that it's up to the level, someone who's going to get them out of trouble. Like the example is Jack Grealish at Aston Villa. Oh, I was speaking to Gubby at Bonville Hall during the week. And he was saying, because I asked him the question, I said, What do you, what do you think? How important is Jack Release to Aston Villa? And he goes, "He's the difference between Aston Villa staying up in the Premier League or going down. Mm. That's another reason why it was so important for Aston Villa to, to sign him a long term deal, to not lose him, not to get 40, 50, 60, 70 million pounds for him, because he said it's going to cost them more if they get relegated. Mm. So, that fulham don't have that. Mitrovic. I don't have anyone. No, but Mitrovic is not going to keep him in the league. Mitrovic is going to score the odd, you know, he's going to score a couple of goals. Is he going to get double figures? Maybe. He may get, I don't think he'll score more than 13 goals. Alright. But that's not enough. You need more than, you know, if you've got if your main striker's scoring, say, 13 goals. You need other players to chip in and score. And I mean other players. You need four or five other players chipping in and scoring seven, eight, nine goals
0: each. So then if you were to compare what you're saying about Leeds, for example, how you believe that the the goalkeeper situation is their biggest uh, or their weakest link. Well, not not, not necessarily just the
1: goalkeeping position. Not just the goalkeeping position, defensively. Defensively. So I think there are a couple
0: of centre-halves. And also goalkeeper short. So then for Fulham's point of view, is there a problem area or do you think across the board, sort of blanket term, they're just, their level isn't good enough? Well, the example is this uh, I would use, is that, you know, I think they've signed
1: a really good goalkeeper, Fulham, Ariola. I think he's a really, really good goalkeeper. But even he on the weekend couldn't do much to prevent the goals from going in Um, because if you're that exposed, and every time he was very exposed, uh, if your time, time left exposed, there's only, you know, the odd games he's going to win the games for Fulham. He's, he's going to win them a point. He's going to keep the score down from 5 0 down to 2 0 or 1 0. But, and he may win the old game for you, you know, three, maybe two or three games this season, four games. Maybe if he has an unbelievable season, he may, he may win you five or six games. That's still not enough to keep you up because he hasn't got enough other players around that are going to win them games. Um, and, and, and that's, that's the, the, the disappointment thing for me, is that even as a team, Fulham, it's like teams get promoted and they look as a team, they look formidable, they look um, really tough to break down, every player lifts themselves to the other level, to the next level, Leeds United are a bit like that. Oh, I, I have infinite more confidence in Leeds United staying up in the Premier League than I have in Fulham,
0: so let's move on then from talking about uh, uh, teams with a lack of confidence. One side in particular that's desperately lacking that, and I can think of one man in particular that we do need to, of course, talk about, but uh, Man United. They, they seriously struggled against Crystal Palace and lost that one 3-1. Uh, Zaha was uh, unbelievable. Again, he was uh, really exciting. Eze made an a appearance at the end with a few little nice little runs. But the moment we need to discuss, in particular, Mark, is your thoughts on... Uh, the penalty decision, so as we know, it was a pretty clear-cut uh, penalty. Jordan I.U. takes it. It was a shocking penalty. De Gea saves it, but it was recalled maybe 90 seconds after, would you say? Why was it, why was it a shocking penalty? Uh, it was, I felt it was, it was some people say that it, it, he wanted to look cool, right? So you wanted to have a bit of flair about it. I just thought it looked a bit lazy. It looks like he, he passed it. Passed it right so, to De
1: Gea. So if he steps up
0: yep. and he does
1: exactly the same thing and De Gea goes early and dives the other way, what do you say then?
0: Yeah, but he didn't. No, well, no, no. What do you say then? <laughs> oh, okay. So what would you say about Jorginho? Because he obviously had a penalty save and that's his, that's his thing. He loves doing Really, that.
1: They're really good
0: saves. Yeah, okay. Both of them. Both of them are really good saves. Even though De, De Gea cheated because he was off his line? Oh my god, he, he was like millimeters off his line.
1: So, the, I feel for him. You know what? I, I've given Daheir. You know, I've criticised Daheir a lot over the last last season or so, um, and I, and I think, I, I think most of the time, I think most of the time, if not all it's time, I'm justifiable. Um, but I feel for him because he makes a really, really good save, and it's millimeters. And the thing is, right? This goes back to the offside rule. You put the, the line down. If he's offside, he's offside. And whether it's a toenail or not, you know, if he's offside, he's offside. And unfortunately for the goalkeepers, it's exactly the same. So he's, if he's over the line, if it's a millimetre, he's over the line. And I, but I feel for him because it's, to save a penalty is so difficult, let alone now even more restrictions on a goalkeeper. But that's the way it is. And they're the rules and you've got to go by it. Now goalkeepers have to come up with a strategy, with, with an idea now, with a strategy, and work on it to make sure they stay on their line. How many times do you reckon you are off your
0: line when saving? No, oh, never. No, it <laughs> never. Never. never happened <laughs> to. Yeah. To look back and look at every I, penalty you saved and go, right. Oh, look back at pretty much
1: every single penalty that's ever been saved. Hmm. There'd be overwhelming statistic to state, I believe, that every one of those, not every one of them, but a high, high percentage of them would have been off their line. If the current rules were in place, a high, high percentage of them would, would have all been made to be retaken.
0: So I'll throw an idea out there for you. Tell me if you like the, the idea of this. So I, I've been really thinking about it after what happened with De Gea. I quite like the idea from the goal line, say a foot. You got a foot out and there's another line. And then it's very, you know, subtle. So it doesn't look, yeah. and but, whether, you know, that's like you're staying. Stay in, yeah. Yeah, you're
1: like you stay in a box area. There's, like yeah. a, there's a box area that you're allowed to stay in. Yeah. Thoughts on that? There, there's, there's an argument. Uh, uh, listen, the, the, the argument I would have is that in an offside rule, you're, you're staying, you're in a line, imaginary line, whereas a goalkeeper's on a fixed line. You're right. So for any sort of momentum, you've got to gain your momentum from a standing position.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, you, you, yeah, you can go sideways, but you can't use your momentum going forward unless you, even even standing behind the goal line, you're not going to because you're supposed to stay on your line. Mm. So you've got no way of gaining any momentum other than a sideward uh, movements to stay on your line. So I think it restricts the goalkeeper far more than just the fact he has to stay on your line. So yeah, I, I, I would be a fan of saying, okay, you know what? There is now, you've got... Uh, whatever it is, whether it's a 10 centimetre box area, 15 centimetre box area, or rectangular area in front of the goal line. And that's the box you're allowed to stay in. Do
0: you you really think that, say, 10 centimetre... I've never saved a penalty. So would you say that if you had an extra 10 centimetres to propel yourself and have a bit of momentum, that would make a difference? The Hayes save would have stood... But not in terms of um, legally, like, well, okay, that would, have, that, would have, that would stick. But if you were offered to have just a little bit more momentum in your efforts to try and save a penalty, do you think you'd save more? Or would it just give you the option to, to you know, stay within that area? Well, no, I think, you, I
1: think you would save more. Under the current rules, you'd save more. Because the current rules state you have to stay on the line. And now they're checking them and they're using VAR to check it. Um, there are going to be far more go- uh, penalty saves if you to be ruled out. Absolutely. So, yes, having that box would would actually increase numbers of saves. The problem with it is they don't want that. What they want is more goals. Won't be long. Back to Ollie and Mark in just 15 seconds. If you enjoy Two Sharp Reds, though, make sure you search Geg and Pod wherever you get your podcasts. David Wiener is joined by thousands of games of experience both on and off the field. It's a great listen. G-E-G-E-N-P-O-D. The Geg and Pod. Okay. Back to two sharp reds.
0: Half time here on the two sharp reds uh, of the. I, I don't normally. I would actually say I'm thoroughly enjoying my wine, but I don't know about the Blutengarten, the first ever uh, German Pinot I've ever had. It's it's does the job. It's it's nice, uh, but I just think that it just you know if it's if it says German and it's a drink, I'm you know i having a nice wheat beer as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, but the other thing is as well to Pinot. And, you know, you, you, you struggle with Pinots anyway. You need something more full, full-bodied, you know. Yeah. You, like yourself, full-bodied.
0: Yeah. Well, it does say, it does say, <laughs> oh, I'm just going to pretend I didn't hear it. So I'm looking down, ignoring you. Uh, this uh, medium-bodied red is made by Pinot Noir Grapes from the Plevs uh, region. Rich fruit berries, flavours accompanied by a soft, velvety texture, an elegant, dry finish. So, no, it is, it is nice, but it's... Just probably won't win any awards. That's probably all I have to say from my end, Mark.
1: Well, see, okay. Um, I'm just sorry to hear that, mate. I'm, I, you know, I can't really vouch for all the time. But uh, I have to say, you would really enjoy this wine that I'm having now. Um, it's bright. It's deep. Uh, has complex aromas. Uh, there's a great balance between fruit and the clean nuances coming from the wood. Clove, pepper, vanilla, coconut. The nose is further enriched by the aromas that develop during bottle aging. Smooth and balanced on the palate with a full, elegant feel and a long, lingering finish. Oh, I like That's it. you. Oh. See, that, that last bit there, Yeah. elegant feel and a long, lingering finish, that's you all day long, isn't it? Yeah,
0: that's brilliant. That is, yeah. Save me, save me, a, I was going to say save me a glass, but I'd be very surprised if... You managed to get a glass on a flight back to England, leave it there, quarantining for two weeks, and then give me a glass. Yeah. But,
1: well, No, but I'm, I'm not flying, so I'm driving. So, yeah, I could probably okay. put it in the, uh, in the <laughs> drinks holder and, and leave it there. Now, the only thing is it may be evaporated by the time I get
0: there. Oh, evaporated. Is that what you call it these days? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mark, uh, just before we get stuck into the, to Sunday's fixtures, I want to bring something to the table. And, and um, I'm happy for you to say yay or nay to this. But, you know, there's been a few things um, here on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like that. But there's a few things that we discuss. And I don't want to say it peters out, but sometimes it doesn't. That's totally okay. Look, one challenge I think, you know, will be I'd really like to go to Pilo's Vineyard and we, we do a thing, you know, there. The other thing that I definitely still is happening is my tattoo. It's just you can't legally, I can't find anywhere at the moment that's doing them under COVID. So once that lightens up, then it will be a lot easier. But I've got one challenge that I think is very doable. Very doable. And and I I just need to talk about how we actually do this. But I noticed uh, during the week that uh, Arsenal now have a red wine partner. And watch this video with Mikel Arteta in particular. And he's loving this wine. Santa Rita, it's called. I think we need to try and sit down and do an episode with Arteta. Having a glass of Arsenal's wine partner, Santa Rita. Do you think we could... I reckon we could... Could we do it? I don't know. Right, well, I mean, I think the best way of trying to, trying
1: to hit that one up is going through the wine angle. Yeah. So I, I think you should use your uh, charming skills to get onto Santorino wines yeah. and to see if there's a possibility um, right. to, to hit them at that angle. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you come if you come unstuck, yeah. then uh, then we have to go on the avenue of heating the club up directly.
0: Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. You've never met him, have you? Yeah. yeah I've saved his penalty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I tee it up and you smack it down. I like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Three,
1: three three at the Emirates. Uh, to be okay. fair, we're unlucky unlucky not to win that game. Um, we're up three one at one stage as well, and they, you know, Arsenal do what they do and they bombarded us and they get a penalty right in the death of the game. It's literally the last stick of the game. Yeah, Miguel Arteta steps up and uh, yep. All right. And were you on your line or off it? Um, I don't know. No one really, you know. As long as you didn't go massively off your line, no one picked it up. I, I don't. I don't. I listen. I would probably. I, I'd probably say, yeah, maybe a little bit, yeah.
0: Well, I think, I think it's it's probably time that we we sat down to discuss that with you. Uh, yeah, I think, I have, yeah. I have a discussion about the penalty save. Absolutely, yeah. I'll be up for that all day long. Let's Okay. Do it. So before before next week's episode, I'll it's, attempt it's, to go through the, Santa Rita. The,
1: the only issue is though, it's the whole COVID thing, though, isn't it? I mean, how how much better would it be if I was sitting with him in person to actually you
0: No, know, I think, I think we do that. I, I would just like, yeah. be patient that we could do it. At, at, do you know what I mean? At a later date? Yeah. I think yeah. that that's,
1: that's the way we do it. We look to do it at a later date whereby we can actually sit in person with him and, and have that glass of red wine and, and, and chit chat.
0: And maybe easier to accomplish. Cause if we say, yeah, it doesn't have to be now, but just say yes. And then they go, yeah, we'll, yes. just, yeah, we'll go. All right. Well, We'll Say yes and then, and then we guilt them. Just give us on. that,
1: give us that carrot, give us that yeah, exactly. golden ticket, that carrot, and yeah, go, yeah, yeah, and then we can just brag about it for yeah. weeks on end until it's happening, such it, time. yeah, it's
0: happening, it's happening, it's so, and happening.
1: then, and then eventually everyone gets sick to death of hearing about it, and then we get the we get the, the notice that it's not happening, and we just have to mix it ever again. I've got yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. <laughs> ever comes up, no, don't remember that episode. No yeah so let 's uh, let's crack on, but we 'll stick with Arsenal. Uh, I want to talk about the Arsenal West Ham game. It was interesting. It was a very different performance from Arsenal that we saw against Fulham. Uh, I would say they were quite clearly nowhere as good um, this week against West Ham, but one thing I did notice was their almost their newfound confidence in not panicking because at no point did I think that that was going to end you know, one-all. you always got a sense that Mikel Arsena and the, the, you know, the way he's able to almost calm his players down to go, our chance will come. And their chance did come through Eni and Kettier. But was that one thing that you noticed from Arsenal? Clearly not as good, but they didn't panic.
1: Yeah, I think that's the, the, the one kind of clear message you got from that performance was that there was no real panic involved. Um, the, the interesting thing is, did you ever panic?
0: Oh, Absolutely. Yeah.
1: There you go. So yeah. normal. That's pretty normal for me though, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I think, listen, it's game two. Game day two. Um, Arsenal two from two. Great start. But again, as we've known with Arsenal in the past, they generally start the season really well. Mm-hmm. And then they, they fade away during the mid part of it. And then they come good towards the end. Let's see if Nikola Teta can break that trend. You know, let's see if he can continuing and, and see where Arsenal can go. I, again, I, I think defensively they're a little bit short. I, I, I think there are question marks still over defence. Um, let's wait and see when they get truly tested, mm-hmm. uh, when they come up against... The, the, biggest, the biggest challenges are going to be for Arsenal, not necessarily against the lesser teams, like against Fulham, against West Ham, because I think they've got enough quality the, these days to overcome those teams. The big, the big tests are going to be against the better teams, against the, the likes of a Man City, Man, you know, man United, Chelsea, uh, Spurs, all these teams, Liverpool. That's when their big tests will come, Everton even now.
0: Interesting that you should say uh, you'll bring up the defence because normally I would agree with you. But, of course, Gabriel, man of the match, he was, yeah, he was pretty good. come on. He's played two games, right? And he got man of the match. Um,
1: you know, he played well against Fulham, but against the Fulham team who were pretty toothless got away with it right at the beginning of the game. And he's playing against the West Ham team. Yeah, okay. They're definitely more of a threat going forward than than Fulham, no doubt about it. Um, But let's wait and see. You know, it's the pace of the the Premier League, the the physicality of it. Let's wait and see in a couple of weeks' time when he starts to feel a little bit tired, a little bit mentally fatigued, particularly around Christmas time.
0: Let's see where he goes from there. West Ham's perspective, uh, they were better. They were were decent. Um, But just... Did you think the one thing there, okay, if you take one thing out of both sides, you've gone, all right, Arsenal didn't panic, which is there, you know, that's a really big thing for them. But from a negative side for West Ham is just lacking creativity.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's that been one of their issues for, for a while now. Um, I mean, Philip Anderson, they had, and, and you thought that he was potentially going to be the solution, um, hasn't really, you know, progressed um, they've had a couple of players over the over the years that have kind of fit into those positions, but never really, never really taken that position uh, and, and made it their own. Um, halia is another player that, that just needs to stay fit, um, and and then once he is fit to get some games under his belt and play regularly, I think he could be a big player for for West Ham. Um, so yeah, it's going to be West Ham again, as we all know. The West Ham are going to have a struggle and. Unless something dramatically changes between now and then, the transfer window, it's going to be a long, hard, long, hard season for West Ham fans.
0: Talking about drama, Southampton versus Tottenham—probably well, the strangest game we've seen out of the first two match days. It was absolutely bizarre. Big win in the end to Tottenham. Of course, early on, uh, Southampton were all over them. Danny Ings scored a, um, you know, an offside goal too. So really, they were facing at a time there where they could have been two, three goals down. But an absolute masterclass from, uh, from Harry Kane and Son, spe- uh, especially in the second half. But it was amazing. And, and I want to ask you, what do you think Jose would have said at halftime to galvanise the side? Because if there's one thing I've picked up from watching All or Nothing compared to uh, Man City's All or Nothing, is the halftime team talks are very different. Pep is more, seems to be more tactics-based and go, right, you're going here, you're going there. We'll change this. Whereas Jose actually just says you know, motivational terms, it feels like. So what do you think? Because it was a very different team that we saw in the second half. Um,
1: you know, Jose, Jose is also tactically very astute. So he will, he will look to change things tactically. He will give instructions out to, to individuals about various moments, positions in the game, what they should be doing, what he could see that they haven't been quite following the plan maybe, or something that's popped up. And he'll change something tactically. It's more about positional changing as opposed to trying to give an, a player direct information as to how he's supposed to get himself out of a, <laughs> out of a scenario. Um, and, and again, you're right. It, it's the, the pep talks at half time. So, like I say, not Pep Guardiola, but the the, the motivation. Pep talks. Talks. <laughs> you, you oh, he
0: definitely has that coin for sure. Yeah. Welcome absolutely. to another pep talk. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, yeah.
1: that, that's going to be post management career, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Peps. Pep's Pep's talks.
0: Yeah, Pep's talk. <laughs> it's a, welcome to Ted's. Yeah, Pep's talk. <laughs> Ted's, Pep's, also like, like a TED talk, you know, but Pep's, yeah, peps yeah, TED Talk. Yeah. Also gonna be the, the name of the episode, by the way. This is this will be the Pep talk. So exactly. Just, yeah, putting that Thanks. Out. That,
1: well done, mate. Yeah, thanks. That was obviously, you know, from me. Thank you. You're that welcome. was good. It was good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think like particularly against Anton, I I don't you know, Jersey doesn't panic much. No, he never panics. Mm-hmm. even in his team talks, he, he'll come in and go, right, he's got his plan, he's got a clear plan, he'll go, right, forget first half, this is what we're doing, this is how we're going to win this game. And, play, we're, 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 like they were in soon-so mode. Yeah. I mean, to play such a high line, it, it was madness. You'd play it in the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes, when you're on top, when you're really putting a lot of pressure on the opposition, but then after that, you've got, you've got to find the happy medium. To play a high line against the likes of, hurricane and song, is madness. Um, and okay, you, you may try it and ride your luck a little bit, but then after one or two times where you get outdone, why don't you change it a bit? Why don't you try and alter a little bit because at 2-1 down, they're still in the game. said so they keep, continue to play like they're playing and they just, they just get picked up off. They were, they were, they were self-destruct mode. Um, so I think Jose would have identified that. He would have said to him, right, this is what we're going to do. They play such a high line. We need to get it, look, because every time Kane got the ball, if he dropped deep, got the ball, and they made, and Son made the run, Kane knew. He just looked. So for me, it was a case of they all knew they were playing such a high line. It was probably talked about at half time. And it was right, like quick, early balls in behind. Make the runs, stay on
0: side, and we'll get in behind. Uh, not rocket science. Very simple. The scary and exciting uh, prospect there is, imagine that game again, but you throw Gareth Bale into the mix, of course, as well now.
1: Yeah, and, and Gareth Bale's an exciting, oh, no doubt about it, an incredibly exciting acquisition to the side, you know. Um, the, the game, the, the question mark is a little bit like at Everton uh, with James Rodriguez. Can he stay fit? Rodriguez didn't seem to have the same sort of injury issues that, that Gareth Bale has had. Obviously, Rodriguez is not, not as old as Gareth Bale either. So, and Gareth Bale's game is based on strength, power, getting in behind, you know, all those sorts of things. So Gareth's played so few games of 90 minutes for, for over the last probably 18 months or so, 12 months, 18 months. So the, the problem he's going to be is, is getting back to fitness and then able, able to maintain his fitness. So for,
0: for Spurs, is the challenge is
1: to have Gareth Bale as fit as possible for as long as possible.
0: Moving on to Newcastle, taking on Brighton, a pretty straightforward 3-0 victory to Brighton. But how good is this? We love it when this happens. Another clean sheet for Matty Ryan. Brilliant news.
1: Mate, that was, I, I was surprised. I, I really was. I know, know Brighton's played some really good football and, and they look exciting, right? But I, I just didn't see them having the, the, the firepower up front to really hurt Newcastle. And the way that Newcastle started the season, you know, I've been really impressed with, with uh, Callum Wilson up front. Hendricks, um, you know, John Joe Shelby's obviously the usual. Um, I thought Ryan Fraser's also a really good signing. I, I thought Newcastle had kind of got to the point now where they look like they've got some momentum and they're going to go on to bigger and better things and, and really push into that sort of upper part of the table. I'm not, I'm not saying they're going to finish in any European places, no. But to, to, really, to, to, to improve upon what they did last season, because I thought last season they were remarkable in terms of where they finished in the end, on the on the points tally, and I thought this season they'd actually exceed that. What a what a what a what a disappointment they were.
0: Yeah.
1: Yes, Brighton were good, and they deserved it, and they probably should have won the game by more. Um, and fantastic for for Maddie to keep a clean sheet because every time you keep a clean sheet in the Premier League, it's 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 always a great feeling and a, and a great bonus. And for a goalkeeper, that's what you that's what you aim for every week. You know, you know that if you keep a clean sheet, as we know, you're not going to
0: lose, are you? No, no, it's funny that. So, uh, we do need to talk about the big one then. Chelsea versus Liverpool. Just uh, getting to the end of uh, the fixtures so far. Uh, is it fair... Oh, I don't know if I should say it. I'll say it. You don't have to say Go it, on. I will. Kepa's last game for Chelsea, do you think? If, if,
1: uh, if they've signed uh, Mondi, mm-hmm. if they've signed him, then, then yes. Because I think, I think Caballero will play midweek in the, in the cup. Yeah. and I think that was his last game for Kepa. I think uh, Mondi will play next weekend. They have to if they've signed him. If he's if he's a Chelsea player this week, then they're going to have to play him. But no, no, no. he's 28 years old. He's a season. He's inter- he's an international. So some of these international player um, dominates his A in R box. Chelsea need to try and alleviate some pressure on their back four. Uh, they haven't. They haven't. I mean, Thiago Silva hopefully will be fit. Very shortly so hopefully he'll be able to come in and, and, and help shore up the defence um, but it's definitely a real worry goalkeeping and in, 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 in the back four it's a real worry for, for Chelsea and that, that's
0: what's going to hold them back. You worry I actually felt really bad for Chelsea because you know as we saw at Mane the goals came very quickly but their actual game play wasn't that bad. Um, I thought Thiago for Liverpool obviously clearly changed things. Um, yeah, but but he's come on. He's also come on when you know not long into where you know Chelsea are down to one,
1: uh, ten men. Liverpool have got all the possession, and when, when when you've got an extra a man advantage, you've got a team like Liverpool who is so well organised, have played so well for for what, over two years now, and for someone like Thiago who is a top top quality player, I I think it's pretty easy for him to step in because he's got players making movement all over the pitch. And like I said, Thiago's got the quality. All he needs to do is just just play his game,
0: and I think he's going to go to potentially another level being at Liverpool. So then, did you did you feel bad for Chelsea though, in in the sense that with that second goal, it's it's clearly and one person's mistake. In this it kills the game.
1: game, of course, for Chelsea. You know, and and I feel I also feel for Cabe because. That that mistake in isolation, it's not a mistake that he makes regularly. He hasn't made the mistake with with a ball at his feet. Right. Uh, I, I, well, I can't remember the last. I'm not saying he hasn't made a mistake with a ball at his feet. I can't remember the last mistake. The the biggest issue with Kepé has been the the, the save to uh, to shot ratio and how poor that's been, and and the the, the actual goalkeeping element of, of his of his game. So the actual <laughs> The the, the basics, stopping the ball from going in the back of the net in terms of using your hand rather than your feet. Yep. And, and, and that's been, been very, very average uh, for kepe And so if you take in isolation the mistake or the ball at his foot, then I wouldn't be overly concerned. But the problem is it's on top of everything else. Yeah. So therefore, it's kind of like it feels like it is the final nail in the coffin. And let's be honest, if Mondi signs this week... And say so Kepa had not made that mistake against Liverpool, I still think he would have been out of the team. It just it just gives extra incentive, extra momentum, extra extra voice for them to make the change straight away.
0: What's his level then? Do you think? Where does he go? Because he obviously came at such a big price tag. Assumes he wants to be in a Champions League club, but he's not. It he doesn't play like he's borderline in well, a Championship.
1: Yeah, yeah but you can you can want
0: to play for, i mean i wanted I wanted to play for Real Madrid,
1: and I never did yeah i mean you, you can say you want to play for anything you know like the, there's one thing wanting to play for him the other thing is reality. are you good enough um and and it's not to say that Kepo won't go on to become good enough it's just I don't think he's going to have that opportunity anymore at Chelsea. Mm. I think he's got to move on I think you knowing you've made that many mistakes it's a bit it's a bit like. You know, when you, when you look at Mignolet at Liverpool, yep. you know, and, and he went through a period of time where he played really well, then he made a few mistakes, cost some games, and then he went through a bit of a rough patch, came out of the team, goes back in again, and then plays really, really well for probably seven or eight months and then makes a couple of mistakes. And all of a sudden, all the critics come out. gets bombarded again. Once you get a reputation, once you, you know, you have to do so much to stop people from, from actually jumping on the bandwagon very quickly. I, I had it at Middlesbrough as well, that you, you're there for that long. People forget a lot of the good stuff you do They only remember the, the bad stuff and the mistakes that you made. So that memory becomes very, very clear to people, but the good stuff that you do fades away. And it's not until you leave and then things happen and you, know, you go off and you maybe go off and play
0: well elsewhere that they start to realise, actually, what we had wasn't so bad. And finally, Mark, let's just get your thoughts on that game between Leicester and Burnley. It was a pretty straightforward win for the Foxes in the end. It was. Um, obviously a scare.
1: They found themselves 1-0 down. And, and uh, Burnley, Burnley, unfortunately, for Sean Dyche, um, and he's, he said it himself, you know, there were a couple of players short and they didn't and it looked that way against Leicester. They, they weren't able to maintain the momentum. Um, and uh, Leicester have the ability, they have fire player, they have some top quality players in their, in their side um, and, and they seem to have now gotten back into a rhythm and they seem to have gotten the confidence back again um, and they, they seem to be a lot, more, uh, a lot more solid, but let's be honest, they've played West Brom and they played Burnley,
0: mm.
1: there's going to be greater challenges ahead of them.
0: What are you trying to say? What are you trying to say about those two sides?
1: Well, they're nowhere near the level of, say, Liverpool, Manchester City. Fair enough. Even, even
0: I'll even put Arsenal in that. Yeah, oh, put them in the mix. Why not? Yes. Oh, it's been a while since you've had a cheeky dig at me, so I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, Mark, that's uh, brought to the end of this episode of the Two Sharp Reds. Of course, we've got uh, tonight's fixture. When I'm talking about tonight, of course, we're based in England or in Europe. Uh, so uh, we've got two more games to go. Match day two, uh, which I'm sure the Gagan Pod guys will be all over when it comes to their episode this week, but I mean, it's a bit boring because I know you've had your wine many times before, but have you enjoyed it this time? Has it lived up to expectation or are you just so uh, used to it now? It's almost like drinking a bottle of water.
1: Uh, bit of all of that.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, it's yeah, yeah. no, no, it ticks all the boxes and it continuously ticks all the boxes. It is exactly what it, what it says it is. Um, and it never, never disappoints. It's, it's, it's the same, it's the same taste. It's smooth. It's elegant. Um, It's that that full-bodied Rioja that you kind of, if you like your Riojas, you'll love this one because it's just what you'd expect from a Rioja.
0: Are you decantering your Riojas? Uh,
1: I depends. Most of the time, no, because I can't wait to have a drink. Sure, yeah. So you don't want to give it an opportunity. And over here in Spain, when the temperature is really, really hot, you actually put the the Rioja in the fridge for a little bit and you Mm. get it at a nice, cooler temperature. Otherwise, it's really tough to drink it. Uh, a, a Bola Rioja that's at room temperature. And if your room temperature is like thirty degrees, it's not yeah. that enjoyable.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the the issue I found when I went away last week. And I, you know, went to, went to that vineyard, and I couldn't wait for a red. And then by the time you get up there, was like, there's no way, there's no way I could have a Shiraz right now. And you go for a riesling. Oh, unbelievable! It was beautiful. <laughs> it's
1: like having yeah. a super duper. <laughs> Exactly. It's like over here. That's, what, that, that's why so many people drink sangrias, or well, they drink uh, yeah. the Tinto Verano, which is basically a red wine with either, um, it's, it's, it's called, um, um, it's like a soda water yep. or you put Fanta, Fanta well, Limon. You
0: had this maybe two episodes ago and I still can't get my head around it.
1: Yeah, you put like a, a lemon flavoured Fanta in it. And that's my favourite way to have it. And it's such an easy drink. So it's it's like you can have it as strong or as weak as you like. Right. So I would suggest putting a half a half a glass of red wine, and then half, the other half you'd put say a, a lemon flavored fanta in it, and it's so nice.
0: And is there any sort of sort of stigma attached to like you would have a really nice whiskey and then cut it with a bit of coke? Like is it? No, like... it's pretty normal over here. No, it's yeah, pretty right. normal over here. Yeah, it's it's not
1: it's not frowned upon. It's pretty not much expected that it's like it's like. When you do order a bottle of red wine in a in a restaurant, it's expected that it's going to come yeah. at a, at a, at, a,
0: at a at a cool temperature, and it's not going to come at room temperature. So, Mark, I've gone for my very first German Pinot Noir, which was an interesting experience. Of course, it was the Blutengarten uh, from the Ples, uh region of Germany. Uh, it looks I've had a look on the map, and it's sort of middle to middle to south, I would say, of uh, of the country, uh, rich uh, fruit berry flavours accompanied by a soft velvety texture and an elegant dry finish. Uh, so I'll go first with who I think my player is. Um, and I think you'll be pleased to know that there was a little bit of research that went into this one. So I, time. Th- I thought, okay, velvet texture, but uh, the soft finish was the one for me because often we have, a, have wines that are an intense finish or a long finish, but I can't remember the last time I had a read that had a soft finish. I thought, okay. When you normally compare a German striker, you don't really you don't really think of a soft finish, do you? You go, no. Bang, someone who's just rifling him in, uh, and and so I, there was one guy that came to mind. Uh, recent, you know, he's still in the in the mix. He's still kicking about. But I did some research. Turns out he lives, or oh, sorry, he was born forty five minutes away from this wine region, just 45 minutes away. So of course with that, it has to be him. And it's of course, um, uh, Mario Goethe. One one of the great soft finishers. He certainly is. Born 45 minutes away.
1: That's that's amazing, about time you've done some research. That
0: was pretty good, come on. You don't get much, kind of soft German. And born pretty much there. I mean, yeah, but, but soft and German doesn't normally go together. But this is what I mean. That's why I thought see, it was so impressive because there's see, so little. I, of I,
1: I thought you were going to go for the, the very obvious. As an Arsenal fan, I thought you were going to go Mesut Ozil.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's one of the softer finishers. Yeah, good point. Yeah. yeah,
1: good point. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's the first thing I thought of when you were talking okay. about your, your, your ball of uh, pin and Noir there. Yeah. So, um, okay, so moving right along now. This is another player for a change that I haven't played with or Ooh. played against. Um, he's a player that's just broken into the, uh, the Premier League, just come into the scene. And um, it just really, it's, it sums it up. Elegant feel and a long, lingering finish. This guy is incredibly elegant, uh, broke records already on the weekend, uh, amount of passes in, in 45 minutes, and he's going to be there for a long, long time. And, of course, it's Thiago.
0: When did you play up against him? Where, I what? didn't
1: play against him. I'm oh, saying you... I didn't play against him, nor have I uh, right, played right. with him.
0: I thought you said you haven't played with him, but you have played against him. I thought No, oh, no neither, right. neither. Right. Okay, Mark, love your stuff. Absolutely adore it. Great episode. But you can do your, your little outro, and then let's wrap things up here on the Two Shop Reds. Well, finally, we've come to an end. Finally.
1: Finally. Yeah, most people probably think.
0: Yeah, (laughs) about time these guys are finished chatting (laughs) about
1: football and really just about nothing at all. So um, I hope you enjoyed our little chit chat. um, And most importantly, we certainly enjoyed our red wine. And I look forward to having a bit of a chin wag about football next week again.
0: Absolutely love it. Let's hope the hashtag Ollie out stops trending because I keep thinking it's about me and the podcast. But I like it, Mark. Appreciate it. And uh, enjoy tonight's footy. We'll speak to you next week.